Tony and Kimberly uh, sit down and they're flirting after their date at Disney World. So, Land. you know, D- Disneyland. Land, yes. Because California. And you know what I'm going to ask uh, you, Carolyn? Oh, I feel like I do, yeah. We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that suck and shows that blow. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. It is ABC, featuring the VIPs of SBTV, Austin G and Dr. DB, with our AT&C money, weird TV is their specialty, it might be all four, or just one, two, or three, cause they're old and kinda busy, so go get ready and take a peek. So set your phasers to download a rarity that we have bestowed. Special moments no one would have shown. Open your body holes cause you're gonna get told. Grab yourself a drink and let's unload. In a very special episode. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode podcast where we review 90s teen sitcoms not namesayed by the bell. I'm David Bitsenhofer, and joining me is the surf dude with attitude, Carolyn May. What's up? (laughs) Today we are reviewing California Dreams, Season 1, Episode 7, Guess Who's Coming to Brunch. Tony, who happens to be black, begins dating Kimberly, who happens to be white. However... Kimberly's father is an old white dude, so I'll leave it to your imagination to guess how he reacts to this. Uh, We'll be getting into it a little more, but I assume Carolyn and I don't have much of a relationship with California Dreams. Well, I know I don't. So, I brought in my resident California Dreams expert, Lauren Paulson, who happens to be my wife, too. (laughs) Congratulations! Here for the Uh (laughs) shout-out. Hello, everyone! We're having these two on as their first um, now our married newlyweds special. This is exciting. This is what you do as an old married couple, right? You record podcasts <laughs> about nineties teen sitcoms. Yeah. Is that not normal? I no? I think that's what our generation is going to do. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty true. Yeah. <laughs> Three weeks in, and this is how we're spending our wild and happening Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, as I re- alluded to, I don't have much of a relationship with the show, except the theme song rings a bell <laughs> with me, but I'm going to get into that later. Yeah. You also have an obsession for theme songs. Yeah, that's true, too. But, uh, Carolyn, do you have a relationship? Um, uh, foggy, yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, this is like, it was Saturday at 11 a.m., and I was supposed to be doing something cool, like going <laughs> to the mall with yeah. my friends. <laughs> Just watching shit TV. <laughs> And this came on, and I think I've watched, like, three or four of them, and I, like, would be a little embarrassed about getting into it, you know, and this is another one similar to Saved by the Bell, I'm sure we'll touch on that plenty, but similar in that, you know, it's, like, so corny that if my sisters walk in on me, they're gonna make fun of me for watching this. (laughs) They wouldn't be that mean, would they? Oh, big time. Big time. (laughs) All the mains are like that, yeah. Are they older sisters? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So they'd be like, this is too much of a baby show or something like that. Right, right. Just not punk rock enough. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> There's plenty of rock in this. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's true. That's true. There, there might even be some rap we might get into later. Oh, my God. I hope it's white on black rap. That's all I hope. It's the only kind that works, right? Go on. <laughs> uh, Lauren, do you ever... Yeah. What's our experts say? <laughs> well, I have very vivid memories of this show, and I very much enjoyed it. And I'm, I think I'm older than Carolyn, so I was definitely <laughs> either not cool, uh, your sisters probably would have made fun of me, or whatever. But I loved watching this show growing up, maybe even more than Saved by the Bell. I mean, if you look at airtime, Saved by the Bell was like two or three years earlier, like an actual filming than this show. Um, David just farted big on the mic if you heard that. <laughs> David's moving the chair because the cat is like going <laughs> crazy right now. Bye, Bye Bon Jovi. Bye. Bye, Bon Jovi. He's getting put away. He's on the list of pets who have messed up a podcast now. Yay. Yeah. yeah, we got to swap it in. Swap yeah, everyone. It's great. It's great tag in. So, yeah, you watched a lot of California Dreams. Did you get to see it beginning to end? Was it airing on Saturdays or weekdays? Yeah, I think you? it was Saturday mornings. I yeah. remember watching it. Um, I was maybe, you know, like first, second grade when it started and probably went through like fifth grade. I probably watched it slightly more like in actual reruns, so I don't remember exactly, like, continuity and stuff. I just remember <laughs> all the characters changed all the time, and I got oh, confused. Wow. Um, and I was doing a little rabbit hole reaching out, because the reason we're doing this episode is I was like, you guys need to do a California Dreams episode. <laughs> like, it's been too long. I Like, one of my favorite songs that I still, in the back of my brain, like, remember is from California Dreams. Like, is it the, the theme, theme song, or is it one of their rock one of their songs? ones from a... From a different episode You're and a I, super fan bus yeah bus. like not even like intentionally just i was like no that's a good song and like right it's right. so annoying and like um you said the beverly hills 90210 episode reminded you of california dreams yeah right? when you guys were talking about it on your podcast yeah. so i was like do it do it it needs it's do it needs it it's a peter engel show you know all that stuff like let's just keep it similar right so i had started going down a youtube rabbit hole trying to find very special episodes for you guys to do oh that's so and then I made him watch two of them with me. <laughs> and at one point, because I said, you got to pick one. And then at, what, we watched one other one. Then we watched this one. He's like, wait, where's this person? And where's this person? And why is there a kid now? And what's going on? And I'm like, There's oh, yeah, I forgot. Like, they totally, like, changed the premise of the show and recast a bunch of people, like, throughout the history. So we can get into that at some point. But I loved it. I like it. The opening theme song is... Awesome, and I think they have great <laughs> songs in every episode. <laughs> that opening theme song is like haunting. It has stayed with me to this day. I could sing with it, and I've watched like two in the yep. 90s. <laughs> well, it's catchy. Uh, Yo, so good. So, yeah, if we get into the theme song, which starts off it. with uh, surf dudes with attitudes, kind of groove, <laughs> laid back mood.
one of the only memories I have of this show is like it was must have been on after Saved by the Bell or something because mm-hmm. me and my brother were watching it. And I don't think we got past that first line and just laughed about that the entire time. And <laughs> yeah, you can't watch it with siblings. Are you an only child? That's the trick. <laughs> or, yeah, your just sister wasn't there or younger. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And so, but see, the thing is, like, they're very, like, uh, nonchalant or lackadaisical about surf dudes with attitudes. But that sounds like something I'd want to avoid. Like, I want to steer clear of the surf dudes with attitudes. <laughs> Because they, it gives off a surf Nazis must die vibe, and there's a lot of knife throwing in that movie, and if there's one thing I don't want, it's knives thrown at me, and they say it's kind of groovy, though, so (laughs) I'm trying to figure out, like, the dissonance that's happening in this song, in which they're very comfortable about surf dudes with attitudes. I was going to say, one thing that's funny is the only person who actively surfs in the show is the little blonde bass guitar player tiffany so it's kind of funny that it's a surf dude yeah (laughs) yeah. uh i uh so this reminds me i'm glad you pointed out surf dudes with attitude because there's (laughs) a comic spoiler we made in a review one day on this show and it's called surf clowns and you better believe those clowns have attitude maybe we'll put a pin on it maybe we never will but but would you steer clear of those clowns in real life or would they Uh, be cool the, you know, um, how into feet are you, David? <laughs> we'll see that later. We'll <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> and But then it also, I mean, apparently I looked it up. There is a video game called Dudes with Attitudes, but it's like a puzzle game, which is really oh. weird. But what it... Re- yeah, what it reminds me of, though, is the 1988 arcade game, Bad Dudes. Yeah! Oh, it does. In which the premise is the president was kidnapped by ninjas, and they want to know if I'm a bad I'm enough a bad dude to save. To rescue the president. I was just looking up Bad Dudes in any arcade games. They have bad reviews, because the aspect ratio is off, but now you can get one, like, as big as a deck of cards. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, see, it's like shout out bad dudes, David. Yes, <laughs> we're in an age where like every IP is becoming a movie, and how has bad dudes not become a movie? Because that's like printing money right there, right? That's a great point. Um, I think it's at the point too where it's so close to parody that you could change five things and then not have to pay for the property. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Just exploit the vehicle. Yeah. This has nothing to do with California dreams. Can we please get back to the TV show? This is what the song reminds me of. I start thinking of, am I, I, it makes me think, am I a bad enough dude to rescue the president? And I'm not sure I am, but I'd like to watch a movie about somebody who might be. But David, how much surf attitude do you have? (laughs) I don't have any surf attitude. Uh I have terrible balance. Anytime I get near like a surfboard, I tried like, uh, what's the... The stand where you stand on like a surfboard, like a paddleboard, paddleboarding. I just keep falling into the ocean. It's it's well, no good. Well, and we just got back from our honeymoon in the Dominican, and we got like schmalled sh- by waves as we were like smashing into the yeah, <laughs> sand and yeah. everything. We're just like waist deep, and all of a sudden this wave takes us and smashes us into the beach, and we're like, well, this isn't boating well for our ability to be beach and watery activity people. And that was actually during your vows, you guys were surfing yeah, pearl, just... but you like biffed it right in the middle. Embarrassing. <laughs> Alright, so we start the episode at like a yacht club or something. I don't yeah. know what it is. Country club. After that bitchin' theme, we go to like the low rent tiki max. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's later. I think the oh, fake okay. max is later. I think this oh, is supposed to be like an upscale 
restaurant. Yeah, right? this is like the co- the country club. This is For the some reason, club. they have gigs at country clubs and yeah. Sharkies, which is what you're calling the fake Max. Yeah. Okay. I'll clue you in on different things, okay? <laughs> Spoiler, I'll be calling it the fake Max for the entire time. Sharkies, all. <laughs> Get it right. Uh, I should note, yeah, they've got this gig at this country club, and I feel like this show uh, puts way too much expectations on teenage garage bands. Like, you're going to be disappointed <laughs> if you watch this show and then start your own band as to, A, the kind of music you'll end up producing and the kind of gigs you get. No, they're, like, always, like, at Sharky's doing luau's or special events and Battle of the Band competitions, and then they always are booked at country clubs and Sweet 16 birthday parties <laughs> and people's weddings and all this stuff. And I'm like, that just... It feels very weird <laughs> to be, like, cool enough to be and smart enough. And they have the luxury of deciding whether or not they want the $600 for an ad gig. And then we'll get into that later. Like, they're just like, yeah, they're they don't want to sell out. Gigs. Well, and I struggled, too, even in my rabbit hole mm-hmm. research trying to figure out how old they oh, are. Because yeah. this is a season oh. one episode. Oh. Um, and it went, it, well... As a resident expert, I'll give you a little background on the show just in general. Um, but it ran for five seasons, and in the fifth season, they graduate from high school. So, like, logically, you'd think this means they're eighth grade, ninth grade. Yeah. Um, but, but seasons can Brit go across yeah. the same year. But they do make, in a different episode, in season one, they make comments about driving, like, up and down the freeway. So then you have to think at least 16, but... I don't know. It's a little confusing. And so part of me is like, why would you have a 16-year-old garage band play your country club? Like, I got a little confused on that. Also, I should note that the main guy, uh, what's his name? Gray? Matt. Matt. He reminds me of somebody, but I don't know who, so that just bothers me the entire time. I'm like, he looks like an actor that I know. Well, not personally, but I can't put my <laughs> finger on it. So You know, he kind of... Are we talking about the... the um? The guitar person. player, the white guitar player. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I can't quite place him. But I think the uh, black guy who's the protagonist of this episode. The drummer. Almost, the drummer. Yeah, Tony. Yeah, Tony. Drummer, Tony. Could almost be Milo's son from yeah, this bliss. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Maybe. They have that same actory charm mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah, yeah. So we got, it starts with. So- wait, can I talk more about the show just in general? Okay, if you want. <laughs> Carolyn's like, I got places to be. Let's just get through this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what But else. like, so Matt is the the lead singer and yes. basically the founder of the band. And mm. then the brunette is his sister oh. in a kid named Jenny. And then they have their friend, Tony, who's the drummer and the guy that we're going to focus on a lot in this episode. And then Tiffany's the bass player. And she's the blonde. Kelly she's Packard, a lady. She's also been on Baywatch too, so oh, she's good looking. Um, yeah. And she's a Mormon, so I was researching that too. So I was like, <laughs> oh, "That's fun." Um, and then the sly guy is their band manager, and he's the next door neighbor of the Garrison family, so the Matt and Jenny brother and sister. But the whole first season was supposed to be all about that family, and then these kids just happened to do Garage Band. <laughs> But, like, almost like Miss Bliss, right? Like, executive network producers, like, didn't really like the mix and just wanted it to be more like a kid show. So then Peter Engel and Franco Barrio and all these people, like, got together and kind of revamped it. 
So in like episode two or three of season two, Jenny, the brunette, like goes away to Italy to special music school so they can like write her out. The mom and the younger brother are just like magically gone. The dad has like very small roles in season two. And then they bring in like a foreign <laughs> exchange student. So there's a woman who's a like Asian American coming in. Nice. And that she comes in in season two. And then they bring in another like kind of punk like guy with leather jacket sort of thing, like tough guy in season two. And then basically this Matt guy, the character, the actor is like, but I'm supposed to be the star and the leader. And it's supposed to be about me and my family and my band. So he like over creative differences at the end of season two and just like leaves the show. <laughs> and then they like casually throw out in the start of season three, like that the Garrison family just moved away. But like the first couple episodes, they're still like practicing in their garage, which is just like weird. <laughs> they're because, like, like using their garage while the house is for sale. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then they bring in this other like very wealthy girl, Lorena, who ends up dating like the leather guy. And so they just start practicing like in her loft because the foreign exchange student is still there, Samantha. So she needs a place to go. So she goes to the wealthy girl, Lorena. So it's like kind of messed up. <laughs> Apparently. Wild. Wow. This it's is what happens when you get in expert talking about something (laughs) but yeah it's just funny and i was reading about it apparently that family the gears family is supposed to be from iowa to southern california so Mm. in the same thought of beverly hills now 210 where they move from way zeta minnesota to beverly hills (laughs) now there's this family's moving from iowa to california too and Way Zeta was intentionally on purpose to be wrong. Because it's we say Way Zeta, but the producers had it wrong in the script, so they said it wrong on the show for Beverly Hills. <laughs> uh, question, does when the leather man is running through California Dreams, does Tori ever show up for like two episodes? <laughs> yeah, that'd, that'd be, be a good, good couple, right? No, but Jake was the heartthrob. Ooh, I, I like Jake. He was the leather guy. I guess the one thing of note... <laughs> David's wearing leather. Yeah, yeah. You know, so. yeah. yeah. You know me. I love my leather. Uh, <laughs> He's a leather vegan. <laughs> uh, what was it? Oh, the, the interesting thing to note is, at least especially with the original cast of the kids, they all sang mm-hmm. the same. I mean, it's very much dubbed in the episode, wow. but it's their voices. Yeah. So the, that's the, these kids were yeah. original in this episode. Wow. Good for them. And good I for th- them. Yeah, I mean, they and they do have good voices. I yeah. think, and so in my mind, I feel like this was a show that was also intended to sell CDs at some point. I think they, they had there is idea. some audio CDs yeah. out there, so you can get do some albums. I do not. I should Christmas <laughs> Christmas presents, honey. <laughs> ideas, anniversary. Yeah, no. Um, but like, even when they bring in Samantha, the um, the foreign exchange student, she's using her real voice. The leather dude gets like has a fake voice. Yeah. Um, guy As sings for singer. him. Yeah, ghost singer. That's probably the better word. <laughs> and, oh, it's not. and then the guy that they, <laughs> and then the guy that they bring to kind of replace Matt eventually, um, he gets he's voice backed as well. So, but for the most part, it was like here's a group of people who can actually sing and wow. play instruments. They mm-hmm. they've played the instruments themselves too. So, oh, did they? I didn't mm-hmm. know that. I didn't that know a whole lot. That's strange, because where is the teens not singing or playing their instruments? <laughs> yes. 
Uh, anyways, anyway, back, back to, to the-, the episode. Sorry. I just wanted to give... That was a good deep dive. Yeah, you talked to the orphans. You said they were with rabbits. What was that? Yeah, Austin just gave them unlend to me today since he can't <laughs> be here. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, we got Sly, who we now know is like the producer of the band or the manager. manager of the band. And he is mad at them right now because they're taking a break. But it was actually a, one of them had to pee, I guess. And in the meantime, Tony, in, who happens to be black, I'm just we don't have to mention that all the time, but he is the <laughs> black character on this, which is important to the episode, meets Kimberly at the bar or whatever where they're getting Cokes or something. And uh, they hit it off like they're... Almost like love at first sight, right? Yeah, instant connection kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they use for like potential sixteen year olds, they use some very like I don't know moves and lines that I'm like, wow, these people have game. I wouldn't have expected <laughs> a sixteen year old to yeah. have something like that to say. Yeah, very catchy, very pithy, very romantic. I hope this this audience will get there, but they're wooing their dicks off. Our other teen shows and just, they woo here so hard. Like for the record, the manager Sly is like all about money. Like that's yeah. his character trait. Yeah. If you haven't gotten that, like every everything he does is to make a buck and try to make profit on stuff. And, if, and it seems like in a different way he seems a bit like the screech of the group where mm-hmm. they always make fun of him and he's kind of the butt of the jokes and stuff. Yeah, but he is like really good looking and like very <laughs> fit though because yeah. there's an episode True. later in the series where he does some sh- top like shirtless modeling and he's like got like a 12 yeah. pack and he's all wow. ripped. All right, calm down, dear. Calm down. <laughs> Money I still like Jake. Jake was my guy. That's all you need. That's a better screech, really. If your screech like is ripped and goes topless, uh, <laughs> I could handle that. <laughs> yeah, at least there's something to look at. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so the band comes back from break to play one more song, apparently, before they end, which seems like an odd time to break for the band, but, uh... And they do that a lot. They're like, okay, we're back from break, and our final song for the night. And I was like, you should have, like, 15 songs yeah. to end the night. Like, I'm very confused. They, like, play one, take, like, an hour break, and then play one more. That's a pretty sweet gig. Really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, Tony wants to play a song called Rain because I think he's like the soloist in it and he begs his way to do it and he, he dedicates it to Kimberly, but then as he's singing it, the amp shorts out and he's kind of nearly concussed by it. We never finish a gig with Rain. I want to play 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 Rain. Okay. 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 <laughs> we'll play Rain. Okay, this is going to be our last tune of the night. It's a very special song for a very special lady. Let's do it. One, two, three, kick it! See it with my own two eyes Ain't no consolation for your ego When a love affair dies She gives back the keys to your heart And then you spend the night where the memories end And I thought this was a very special uh, Ear safety episode (laughs) Like oh we're gonna talk about being a high schooler With a hearing aid Cool Right right right. It's okay to wear hearing plugs Ear plugs at concerts It doesn't look cool but you feel better For the rest of your life Ding 
uh, as I was watching it, I realized the song Rain includes the lyrics, uh, and then you spend the night where the memories end, <laughs> which sounded very date rapey to me. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> yeah, but then I like, so then I kind of went back and listened to the lyrics again, and then he's talking about like, she gives you back the keys to your heart. And so I think the memories ending is like the memories of the relationship are now ending because the relationship's ending, which is all fine for the song. But then that makes it a weird song to dedicate to a woman you just met. Like, hey, baby, here's a song about breaking up. But I guess it proves he's single, right? I guess, yeah. <laughs> she asked him to, in her like lines, asked him to be available. And then when he she was trying to like comfort him and wanted to take him outside to like check his ear, I guess. Oh, that was after that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was still into him. Yeah, so th- then they go out, and who knows what happens outside. We don't know, because we end up at the fake Max. Sharkies. <laughs> <laughs> it looks so low rent next to the actual Max. <laughs> no, it doesn't. There's a stage, yeah. and there's a little arcade area, and like... But Carolyn likes the, the vibrant colors of the Max, and there's... So, speaking of colors, the Max is like the pink and blue classic vaporwave neon palette, yes. And then this is like orange and yellow and then tropical green, and it looks like all the paint buckets left over. I'm getting some no's from painting the Max. No. <laughs> I agree. Laura, I what's agree. your take? You, you have to be on my side. husband. You have to be on my side. I was going to say, though, there is, like, the cook is somebody, like, named chef sharky or whatever like his is last name is sharky so shark? just like is he a magician <laughs> no is he a shark or <laughs> no, he's a like magician? a short little portly man who yeah. is <laughs> very large but oh um, is he the one we meet at the end no that's just mm-hmm. uncle a Slappy different portly and... little oh, man okay no. we'll get there yeah <laughs> but i'm just saying like just like the max had max now sharky's <laughs> had sharky as well so <laughs> But did Sharky stay the whole season, or did he get cycled out, too? Oh, he got cycled out, just like the Max, but the <laughs> restaurant's know. still there, you know? Yeah. I wonder how Sharky and the Max are doing out there. Yeah, they might be hanging out now, huh? I bet. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sly wants the band to do an advertisement jingle to get money for the new amp, but they don't want to sell out, basically, which sounds very nice for a garage band. They have like principles, a, yeah. apparently. Yeah, wow. Like, but yeah, they we'll don't be- have Mr. Belding as a principal. Yeah. <laughs> that might well. be. <laughs> what? Not according to the Jimmy Fallon appearance. Oh, yeah. Oh. Apparently, as an aside now, Cali- yeah. I've learned that California Dreams, the cast reunited on a Jimmy episode of the Jimmy Fallon oh, show. Oh, wow. Yeah, because Jimmy Fallon loves Peter Angle. Yes. Yeah. Well, this was because before Saved by the Bell reunited, and he did it because he couldn't get Saved by the Bell actors to reunite. <laughs> so he gave them like five minutes to just tell them what they're doing, and then he made them sing the, sing the theme song. But in the middle of the characters or the actors all telling them what they're doing with their lives, Mr. Belding walks out in the middle <gasps> and he's like, hey, 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 what is going on here? <laughs> and then Jimmy Fallon's like, this isn't like your gig. Get out of here. And he's like, no, I was everybody's principal. And they're like, no, not really. <laughs> oh, that's a good bit. And I usually don't say that for Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so then, meanwhile, in another booth, Tony and Kimberly uh, sit down and they're flirting after their date at Disney World. So, Land. you know, D- Disneyland. Land, yes. Because California. And you know what I'm going to ask uh, you, Carolyn? Oh, I feel like I do. Yeah. <laughs> have her guess. Have her guess. <laughs> 
I think it has to do with the D-man Dustin Diamond. <laughs> was, you guys are on the same wavelength. Was or was there not? signature splash mountain move. They got all the ladies moistened. <laughs> was there or was there not Disney figure on this date, Carolyn? <laughs> Super was. And it smelled... Like the tide, like the low tide on that California wave. That's some <laughs> attitude right there. By ah, I can't believe we had to read his book. And that's the one thing I like tell people. And I'm glad. <laughs> Disney finger. Yeah. It's haunting. Like this it is. Song. You, can't, you can't not think about it now, especially it's like Saved by the Bell to going to Disneyland. <laughs> At least everybody in California Dreams is, like, good-looking enough that it doesn't, like, repulse you that they fuck. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. (laughs) Good for them for being attractive. I hate (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. them. Kimberly talks about how she wanted to go to school in Paris, but didn't, and now she's thankful because she got to meet Tony, but that's a little foreshadowing. Uh then she convinces Tony to let her buy a milkshake because her dad is loaded. Go oh, on. I was just going to say, right before this, though, they're, like, cuddling, and then, we, you know, all the woos happen yeah, and some... stuff, where they're all, like, they're like, hee hee. And then he goes, I'm just so juiced that we met. And I was like, <laughs> that feels like a grossy word. Yeah, well, the question is, <laughs> she juiced that thing, A 16-year-old boy says, I'm so juiced that we met. <laughs> is this where somebody calls somebody a butthead? Uh, I was a little shocked with that language. <laughs> I don't remember that. Part. I don't remember butthead. It's near here in my notes, but that's on me. It happened though, people. <laughs> Someone's a butthead. That kind of reminds me. There used to be a like I must have been in college or something, and there's like toys called butt ugly Martians. Hmm, I think I remember that. Was your dog supposed to eat it? No, they were just, like, action figures for kids, and I think there was a cartoon called Butt Ugly Martians, and I was very offended, because I'm like, back in my day, we couldn't say butt on cartoons, you know? <laughs> And that's your next episode, is a Butt Ugly Martian. <laughs> yeah, maybe I have to look that up now in XGC. It would be interesting. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Kimberly and Tony closed the scene with some hot closed mouth kissing. So we go to well, but then she she had convinced him to let her get a milkshake. Then they yeah. kiss, and then she just stares at him. And I'm like, "Go get the milkshake." Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe after part. the milkshake, we can yeah, kiss yeah. with our thick mucus mouth. It's great. That that's when you get old. You just want the milkshake, and who cares about the kissing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I just want some of that sweet, sweet, sweet as closed mouth kiss. Yeah, I was going to say something about a milkshake, but it was just going to end up sounding very dirty. So nice. Like when your milkshake brings all the boys to the yard, but they just actually want the milkshake. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, I thought there was going to be a milkshake here. I'm sorry. I'm out of it. Oh, out I came ladies. for the milkshake. Yeah. I gotta go, lady. Uh, the next scene is at the garage, and the band plays their jingle for Sly. And it's about dying of thirst. There's kind of some gruesome language about, like, your tongue getting swollen or something. If you're sweltering in the desert, tongue is bloated from thirst. Drink Uncle Slappy's root beer, because dying would be worse. (laughs) Yeah. So I think the joke, quote unquote, is that the root beer is shit. and And they're being very honest about it in their advertising, yes? Yeah, they want they don't want to sell out by lying about the product and they don't like the product. At the same time I 
at the end of the episode, I got the impression they're really just selling the lyrics, so they're not even, like, singing it. And it's like, it's not really going to come back to you. Just, (laughs) I don't know. Take the 600 bucks and run. So, corporate America, I believe that means you can hire David Bits and Hoffer <laughs> to write you a sick-ass rap for only yeah, exactly. $600 and maybe hire some teens to record it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you're wrong on that one, actually. I don't know. If I were Doritos right now, that would not be very much out of my budget. <laughs> Just saying. Really reasonable. Uh... Kimberly then shows up after that, and, uh, well, the jingle's declared terrible, and so they're going to go back to the drawing <laughs> sure. board on then. Yeah. Uh, Kimberly shows up, and she's all lovey-dovey with Tony, and uh, invites Tony to brunch with her parents. So the name of the episode is Guess Who's Coming to Brunch, and that's like the um, movie, the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and about yes. interracial dating, like from, right. when was that movie, like the 80s? I don't oh, know. In the 70s. 70s. Yeah. And then, like, they did the Barry- Bernie Mac version later. Well, with Ashton Kutcher, the unfortunate. <laughs> Ash- or did they do the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? There was a. Oh. There's a movie called, like, Guess Who, and that's where Ashton Kutcher is coming to dinner, and it's a black family. Guess Who's Coming to Dinner was 1967. Oh, okay. And then Guess where Who. Where it was probably very poignant at the time. Yeah. So Spencer Sydney Tracy. Sidney Poitier, right? Yep. Spencer like Tracy, Sidney Poitier, Catherine oh, Hepburn. Wow. That's such an all star cast yeah. forever, right mm-hmm. there. But and then, then 2005 was Guess Who, Ashton Kutcher, Bernie Mac, and Zoe Saldano. That's actually a pretty good cast still. But I mean, I don't know. The old has a little bit more glitz for me. I'm just questioning the premise where it seems to be equating yeah. a white person going to dinner at a black family with the opposite. Oh, for Guess right. Who, 2005. Yeah. yeah. It's and, a reverse uh, racism. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, but then I think it's supposed to be more of a comedy. I don't know. I probably shouldn't. But judge anyway. until I see. Right? So that's where the brunch part comes in. Like yes. coming to meet the parents just like a similar to the mm-hmm. to the episode uh, or the movie from 30 years before. So we go back to the uh, country club and despite what Tony had said before about never being nervous, he is actually now very nervous to meet the parents. And uh, Kimberly just tells him to laugh at all her dad's jokes and everything will be fine and the predictable antics occur of him not knowing what's a joke and what's not, even though it's well, and he even, pretty like, obvious. When he gets to meet them, he like mispronounces their names. Yeah. Like they're like, I'm that. Kenny and this is like Millie, and he's like, Okay, Ten and Tilly, or like he he's all like, huh, huh, huh. And so you're like, Oh, okay, this poor boy. But <laughs> you felt bad for him. Mm-hmm. I will give them credit for setting this up in the plot by having the speaker blow up in his ear. Like, usually this would just be a oh. dumb sitcom thing where it's like, I don't understand words. But here they actually, like, wrote it in. So that's nice. Yeah. Oh, I thought, I just assumed it was the nervousness. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably both. But I think some of it is that tinnitus he's cursed with for the rest of his <laughs> yeah, life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But they make the the traditional dad joke where where she's like, just relax. And then Tony's like, yeah, you're right. We're all humans. We put our pants on one leg at a time. And the dad's like, not me. I jump into my pants both legs at the same time. And then Tony just like freezes. And everyone else is like, ah, 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 ah. She's like, you're supposed to laugh. He's like, oh, whoops. Sorry. Because <laughs> he can't figure out what's a joke and what's not. Although, to be fair, that wasn't very funny. So, But I... I feel like that's in a lot of shows and in a yeah, lot of yeah. storylines, that specific <laughs> joke. Mm-hmm. 
we flash forward and things seem to be going well and everyone's having a good time and then the ladies leave for the bathroom. At which point, Kimberly's dad offers Tony a new amp in exchange for Tony to stop dating Kimberly. What? Dun, dun, dun. Tony's a little confused as to why, but he quickly figures out that uh, it's because he's black. And I'm shocked to learn that this old, rich, white guy is racist. I didn't never saw that one coming. <laughs> well, they... But it's a TV show. Those things don't happen in real life. <laughs> Well, they just, he immediately says, like, okay, I'll give you $1,000 to stop dating my daughter. And then he's like, what? Are you joking? And he's like, you're just from different worlds. And he's like, oh, because I'm black? And I was like, oh, I thought it was because you're poor and he's rich. Like, that was how I thought initially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they kind of go hand in hand in this <laughs> yeah, guy's well, yeah. That's true, because Tony's the only band member that has a job outside of the band and school, too. Does so. he work in the Mac? He works at Sharky's, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I thought it was a pretty realistic, you know, well, you, it doesn't necessarily always break along race or class lines, but there are parents who, like, straight up try to break their children up with money. That absolutely happens in real life, and then having the racial motivation was Really real for this show. When David told me we were doing California Dreams, I said, <laughs> lol. But now I have to give it a sad emoji for actually being resident. This is resident. It's doing pretty well. Yeah, it's not as bad episode. as you would think, I guess, when he yeah. said there's going to be a racial episode of California Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> Although here's, I don't really want to give tips to racist parents, but here I go anyways. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> this is scary for our future children. I'm just yeah, saying, for like, your future if you're disapproving of the relationship of your child in high school, you don't have to give out a thousand dollars. Give it two months, and they're going to break up anyway. This is a high school uh, relationship. What are you really worried about? Like helpful tip to racist parents everywhere. Yeah, just just give it a few months, and then they'll break up because that's what happens with ninety percent of high school relationships. Yeah, wait well, till they get to college, and if they're still together, then you can start with the money. Well, and I was going to say, too, like, just from a storyline episode structure, like, the amp breaks right away. So, like, but, like, Tony's already flirting with Kimberly. So, like, that's the plot A. But, like, the whole jingles and writing is, like, basically to replace that amp. So, like, they all kind of connect without yeah. being, like, just, like, th- shoehorned in there to make sure the rest of the characters have something to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It was kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I just made a note that he goes, it's because I'm black. And then a big guitar screech goes, Neri! Fade to black when it happened. Stop dating Kimberly. (laughs) You're joking, right? It just doesn't work. You're both from different worlds. Different worlds? You mean because I'm black? I was like, there's Peter Engel for you. Yes, exactly. So this is literally produced by Peter Engel. If we haven't talked enough about Saved by the Bell, there's a reason. It's re- it's relevant. And the music cues, I think, are probably done for these interstitials by the same studio, right? It scratches that exact same itch from yeah. the Saved oh, by the Bell days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is very... It has much of the same aesthetic as Saved by the Bell as you're watching Yeah. Yeah, and I think literally the same, like, corporate guitarist who, yeah, like, yes, jam yes. out these shreds. <laughs> yep. Shout out you, whoever you are. It's credited someone for music, but I've forgotten. So, good job. 
<laughs> Good on you. I hope he got paid. That's all. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he definitely got paid, and I hope he like housed the craft services table too. <laughs> <laughs> Just showed up and. <laughs> Sounds like a good gig. I think so. It got six hundred dollars. <laughs> six hundred dollars and a craft table. You better believe I'd be selling out for that. Who knows what kind of lyrics I'll drink? Doritos. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Uh. Uh, the next scene is at the garrison's kitchen. Uh, Tony's friends are aghast at what Kimberly's father is trying to do. And then Matt's dad is also hanging out with them for some reason. I mean, it's his house, but when I was a kid, I always just steer cleared of parents when they're in the house, but apparently (laughs) they all hang out together. Because all the parents were like that no good Bitsenhofer's back. <laughs> Maybe. I was kind of the screech, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I do I do think like a lot of the things in the show, like Tony's like very like eloquent in being able to communicate how frustrated or like how upsetting this is because I don't know if at that point in my age if I could have like put together the words like this is why it's really really bummer you know and then I do think it shows what good friends that they are because they seem to just really be like that just super sucks dude I'm really really sorry like what are you planning to do not just like meh she'll get over it or hey you're making too big of a deal of it you know like none of that stuff is happening so yeah no no one uh sides with the dad in this and so that's good He's on an island on himself. Uh, well, there's fighting dad. with him, uh, and then there's, like, taking his money in the long run. And spoiler, we'll see how this whole thing shakes yeah, out. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting, though, I guess. Yeah, it's well, good that, you know, they get this chance to put their foot in their sand. The California sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, uh, until politics got as even worse as they are today, like, you know, um, it was, uh, I'll just say it was pretty, it seems like relatively it was easy to be a racist, rich, white dad in 1991. Yeah. Sure. Well, uh, I guess that's what's kind of interesting, because when I look at it, if something was like this today, I feel like there'd be other characters who are like, well, maybe the dad kind of has a point, because everyone wants to both sides everything. Right. And at least in this episode, uh, he is just framed as the villain and nothing more. Like, even when the mom gets him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah. I was going to say, too, that they never actually say racist or racism in the episode. Huh. They don't use yeah. the word. He just kept saying prejudice, prejudice. I'll never right. stand for prejudice. And I was like, was racism, like, or ra- being a racist, was that, like, such a taboo word at the time mm-hmm. that you could not even put it, like, on network television? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's a point. very sensitive word people get very like offended if you say something like you're a racist or that's a racist statement like people Mm -hmm. get really upset about that still now current time well yeah it's uh it's because these days and i guess maybe even back then this is kind of i don't know maybe in the 90s was kind of the start of it where saying something is racist or saying someone is racist was started to be viewed as strictly just an insult instead of actually describing what what characteristics of them or like saying like if somebody makes an argument and then you say well you're ugly that's like well now you're just trying to be mean to the person and not really addressing them and people start equating saying you're a racist as that even though that might not be the case because that could just be what you're espousing is racist beliefs well and i think like 
in the Broadway musical Avenue Q, there's a song called Everyone's a Little Bit Racist Mm -hmm. Sometime, and they talk about racism being kind of a spectrum and how Mm -hmm. there's some predetermined things you already have and there's some, you know, inherent things that you've learned and that sometimes through your aging and schooling and overall seeing and viewing of the world, like, you could kind of change and evolve and... Um, and some people just don't change and evolve, so they kind of stay on the one spectrum. And I think at this point, at least, when you call someone racist, they just assume that you mean, like, all the way down on the worst-case spectrum. And so that's, like, the worst kryptonite word you can say for yeah. someone. Right, right. Yeah, this had a – the California Dreams had a very good, like, 90s liberal can-do attitude to it. But oh, yeah. They- don't say the word racist, which I didn't realize until you brought it up, Lauren. That's very great. Uh, so, so we're so we're racist, but we can't say it. So we're prejudiced. Right. Which yeah. Is fair enough. It's close enough. But yeah, you can't. Well, I mean, but things are racist all the time, and we have been raised in the United States of America, which cough has some problems with <laughs> that. So yeah, we're all raised, and we drop the parts that are terrible. Oh, and then we go have white people brunch, which is the whitest thing you can do <laughs> at a right. yacht club. At the, at the yacht club, exactly. <laughs> like, really? Yes. So it's interesting. I don't know how conscious it was or not, but yeah, they do not say racist or racism or anything. And it's there's probably a lot of reasons why, and I'm not quite sure. It's probably do you just think a, if they did, everyone would go, ooh? Yeah, or would they start turning against Tony because now he's just being unreasonable and mean because he's, he's gone too far calling his own racist. They're just prejudiced. I don't know. Or I don't, yeah, who knows? <laughs> uh, uh, Mr. Garrison, uh, who's the dad, who's the good dad, I'll put it that way, the dad of Matt, uh, says that uh, some people pretend to be open-minded only when they don't have to confront it themselves. Which is, mm. which is kind of interesting and does actually happen. You know, people are can be very... Uh, like, say they love everybody, yeah, and then all of a sudden mind. they're in a situation where now they're like, wait a minute, this yeah. isn't what I'm comfortable with. Suddenly their next door neighbors are black, and now suddenly they're not happy anymore. Uh, and then they kind of have a debate as to whether or not to tell Kimberly about it, and which Tony is not yet, but then... Uh, the sister, what's Jenny. Her? Jenny says she, if she, if it was her, she'd want to know. If her dad had said this, yeah. she'd want to know. Now, in Jenny's defense, like her character trait is she's a little more of kind of the Jesse Spano ish of the group, right. right? Like she's in the first episode. Oh, these or the first part, like oh, these people's worst problems is which color Mercedes to buy, black or white. And like in other episodes, she's like, oh, do you see all of this information about wasted food or? all of this, like, homeless problems. So she's kind of, like, just a little bit more, like, aware of social issues. So that might be part of the reason why she's thinking, like, in I'd want to know. You know <laughs> in this thing. one, her character trait is, like, she's aggressively single and she gets <laughs> sad when people make out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something I could have related to as a teen. Uh, so. <laughs> so you're at the screen. I could have related Jenny to both of them, group. being a little bit of a <laughs> SJW <laughs> and sad that I'm the only single one. Yeah, that- <laughs> I'm really bonding with her now. Uh, is she as annoying as Jessie? No. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we go back to the fake Max. Sharkies. And, and uh, <laughs> Tony and Kimberly are at their booth, and Tony has to have some real talk with her. And he's like, you know I'm black, right? 
And then Kimberly says, you're kidding. You're black? I just thought you were a white guy with a deep, dark tan. Here's the deal. Have you ever dated a black guy before? Why? Because I'm black. You're kidding. You're black? I just thought you were a white guy with a deep, dark tan. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. I know. Well, it made me a little uncomfortable, but then I'm like, I don't know if it should have. I don't think, like, then I parse it. I'm like, well, I don't think that's actually bad, but it felt off to me, but then... But at the same time, I, yeah. I took it as she wasn't trying to let that be a thing that I know. affected her decision to like, date Tony. Well, I mean, because obviously she knows he's black and um, is perfectly fine with him. Right? It was kind of like verging on tone deaf. I'm not sure that would work today. Like, it almost yeah. sounded to me like, I just thought you were a white guy in blackface. Yeah, I know. And I I just... That's what it conjures up is like blackface, <laughs> right? but they don't really go there. And it's just kind of like a no idiot Skirting I know. The so I'm like, I, just I thought don't it... think it's bad, but it just <laughs> gave me, like, a little bit of a... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought you were Tony Danza in blackface. <laughs> <laughs> and you can cut this out part, but, like, oh. when we watched the other California Dreams episode about dating the blind girl, like, he's like, I gave her a nickname. Ha ha. Walks into walls. I'm like, so they just do some, like, borderline <laughs> questionable things in general, <laughs> I think. Yeah. So she tells Tony that indeed he is the first black guy. Well, yeah, she says he's the first black guy she ever dated. But then she says black and uses finger quotes for it, which was an interesting (laughs) thing (laughs) that I don't know how to take. I shouldn't interpret that. I have no good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like she's trying to be like, I'm colorblind. I don't see color, so you're black, I guess, but I don't know. She says that. She says, my dad raised me to be colorblind. And I was like, oh, that's a little bit of a weird phrase again. Some people say that, and you should always give them a little bit of a side eye, because no one's truly colorblind, of course. It's a real 90s progressive point of view. Yeah, exactly. Faulty in that, yeah. And even if you can't see color, you can see shades. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... real. When you act like, oh, we're all one thing, then you're denying people their experience, too, because they can't not be black, and that does color their life, and it's very easy for a white person to be like, I don't care at all. Because people are very racist, and people try to do it less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh... Tony, uh, so then Tony drops the bomb about her father trying to pay him off, and she just gets mad and won't believe it, which is what it is. Well, she says you probably misinterpreted because he's really generous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she does mention that her father donates to the NA- NAACP and the United Negroes College Fund, which I guess good on her for knowing what he donates to, but then I guess that just shows uh, it's easy to donate to things. It's harder not to. To, like, live by the things you donate to, I guess. I don't well, know. and then again, with parts of Tony being, like, kind of well on his feet and knowing how to respond to this, he goes, that's probably because he feels guilty about the way he <laughs> yeah. treats people or feels about people. And I was like, I wouldn't have thought that, but that's probably true. And I don't think <laughs> I would have been able to say that at that age, you know? Or you want to look good in front of your rich friends or something. You know, there's all sorts of reasons. And then I'm sure... If this were a real life, he probably feels his argument seems to center around he's not racist. He has nothing against black people. He just thinks it's going to be too difficult for them to date because of the obstacles of interracial dating. That is not really if it was up to him, everyone, everything would be cool. But it's just too hard, basically, you know. 
which isn't a good reason, obviously, and especially in the 90s when it was much more acceptable anyways. But. Well, and then she storms away, and I made a comment where I was like, ooh, she has a very sexy top on in this yeah, little was pretty, uh... lunch date. <laughs> was she going to storm right out of it? There, there, was a lot of, there wasn't a lot of fabric to that top, I'll yeah, put it that way. backless. <laughs> Go big when you're telling off your father for his racism. Yeah, well, well she telling wasn't. Telling off your boyfriend, yet, though, yeah, defending your father. Oh, right, so right. Father Showing your boyfriend what he's going to be missing out on. Although, there's part of me that's like, if this happened to me and I was Tony, would I just take the thousand bucks? Because, eh, I can always date another girl. <laughs> because you're, you're going to break up with her in two months yeah, anyway. Exactly. <laughs> you know? right. How long is this relationship going to last? Take the and racist. Say- I need this amp. We got a gig this weekend. Yeah. I got <laughs> Say you stay together, then you just look your father-in-law shit ass in the eye every couple yeah, years and be like, "Yeah, I cashed the check." Because a musician, a real California dreamer, would never say no to a cool thousand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then cash and still date her. Well, that's like, one thing. What I are have... you gonna do about it? That's one thing I comment is I'm like I'm surprised. Like I appreciate that the band is super supportive, but. Sly specifically being like a money grubber is kind of the person I would have expected to be like, you should just take the money. You know, yeah. like, we need the amp. Right. But they're right. definitely portraying him as like, he kind of has a heart to yeah, Sly is yeah. woker than you think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the next scene is at the garage. Uh, Sly has made his own jingle for the root beer commercial and he basically spouts a bunch of lies about it making you live forever and now they're mad at him for you know lying if you want to live forever not get another cold drink uncle slappy's root beer kills fungus germs and mold hey (laughs) this jingle uh subplot is very riveting that's all i can tell you um, then Tony comes in and tells him about how Kimberly got mad at him about what he said, and they're just supportive. And then an amp shows up at their garage, which is pretty, seems pretty fast. Yeah. I guess this, is, this a... is the next day. They said, how did things go with Kimberly last night? Ah, and yeah. So the next day is this amp shows up. So Yeah, this is before the days of prime shipping. Yeah, exactly. I don't know how well, he Kimberly's called Radio is... Shack and got them to deliver in 1993 <laughs> on his car cell. I guess money talks. And he was very excited about this breakup, I guess, because the, obviously uh, Kimberly's dad thought that Tony meant to break up with her and thus was rewarding him with this amp delivered the very next day. So his dad, her dad was right on top of things, I guess. So he gets shit done, I guess, for Bank error in his favor. Take it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think it was kind of baller that in the next scene, Tony just interrupts their brunch with the amp and just shoves it in his dad's face. Yeah. Yeah, he like wheels it in on yeah, one yeah. of those like dollies and then just picks it up and sets it on the table. And he's like, this? Yep. And just gives it back. And of course, that also has the side effect of being the proof that Kimberly needs to see to show that her dad was trying to buy off Tony to break up, so both the dad and the mom kind of gets pissed at him. Mm-hmm. And this whole kind of uh, yacht brunch scene ended up reminding me of a Get Out sequel or prequel. Oh yeah, did you think he was going to get like kidnapped or knocked yeah. out? Yeah, if he didn't pay him off, then if they kept him in the family, they would have like replaced his body with a spoiler, racist spoiler. uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! Yeah, disregard that to the bleep people who haven't seen 
two movies ago. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying Kimberly might secretly be evil in this? I don't think there's any secret because she ends up pretty complicit. We'll get there. Relative. We'll yeah. get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not as bad as the daughter and get out. But certainly not good. <laughs> uh, the dad says it's complicated, but Tony says it's simple. You think you're better than me because you're white. Yet they still don't say racism, but that's pretty much just a definition of racism. But uh, Well, and I like that, again, Tony's saying good words is the dad says, well, you're very nice, but... And Tony goes, how would you know you can't even see past my skin color? Mm-hmm. And I thought yeah. that was really like, I was like, <laughs> And I know it's a room of like 40-some-year-old white dudes writing this out, but I was uh-huh. like... I wouldn't have had the guts to say any of that if I was 16. (laughs) And then, of course, after being accused of thinking he's better than being racist, basically, the dad gets mad and says he's insulted and just says, I've heard enough. Look, Tony, Tony, um, you're a very nice young man. How would you know? You can't see past my skin. Just like you can't see me and Kimberly as a guy dating a girl, only as a black guy dating your white daughter. It's not that simple. Oh, sure, it's simple. You think you're better than me because you're white. Well, you're not. I think I've heard enough, Tony. Yeah, well, I said enough. I think that's the last we ever see of the dad in this. But uh, So we don't know if the, how the marriage is after she le- <laughs> the mom learned that the dad's racist. But they're probably still together. Let's be Keep honest. Con- yacht club appearances, yeah, dear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess I should say of the dad before he's gone forever that he did have the hairline of Mr. Belding. Yeah, it wasn't so as know. bad as some oppressor hairlines we've been seeing, but it's not good. <laughs> you know, it's in the spectrum. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely getting there. I should note that I've had the orphans look up most of the actors oh, in this uh, episode, yes. and this is like a graveyard, like. <laughs> Kelly Packard, who is Tiffany, she was in Baywatch. And then... The blonde surfer lady. Yep, yep. the bass player. And then the, yeah. sis, the sister was in like a f- six episodes of 90210. That's about the most notable thing she was in. And and uh, then Kimberly, who is just the guest, act- guest actress, was in Friday Night Lights for nine episodes. And that's about... Well, who was she then? Uh, she was the mom next door that fucks Riggins. Oh. Get it, Riggins. (laughs) You get it. Riggins be Riggins. You can't can't stop (laughs) with it. Be Riggins it. But, like, the main guy, Matt, he doesn't do anything either. No. When they're on Jimmy Fallon and they're like, tell everybody what you've been up to. They're like, oh, you know, just helping out a nonprofit or being a mom. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, (laughs) they're not. Some of them have some voice acting parts, which I'm not diminishing but nothing that really stands out to me and yes yeah, definitely wasn't like the launching pad for a bunch of people <laughs> yeah exactly uh although that's this dad was in a ton of episodes he's in a ton of stuff just as like a character actor for like one episode so. <gasps> is he dead yet he was in my homework movie matchmaker santa with lacey oh, chavert yeah. oh he is not dead yay oh wait <laughs> wow oh okay <laughs> Well, hopefully he's not racist in real life. I mean, yeah, I don't mean to just want every old racist man on TV to die. <laughs> the actor who plays an old racist yes. man to die. 
like currently he's in five episodes of something called Kaplan's Corner. His name yeah. is Robert Pine. Somebody might know. Yeah. Yeah, he's just in a lot of episodes. Like, oh, he's also in Romance at Reindeer Lodge. Yay! Oh, I'm gonna have to watch these again. <laughs> you know who's not gonna get as much Hallmark work is Aunt oh, Becky. I was oh. devastated about that. That's a side <laughs> story. Oh my god, it's super. Is. Oh, Aunt Becky. We had to say it though. Yeah, I oh know. We, sh- we should just do a special episode on that. Get Ryan's opinion on it, too. You know? <laughs> but I don't have to learn too much legalese. I can borrow a lawyer. She's well, we'll touch the, base later. She has, like, a murder mystery series on Hallmark, and she was, like, oh. in Canada filming one of those, and I was, like, waiting anxiously for the next movie to come out. Now they're, like, <laughs> then there was, like, an announcement where they're, like, it's done, it's never going to get finished, and we're pulling all the previous old oh. movies. And I was, like, <laughs> I... That's harsh. I'm honestly shocked at the reaction to this because this seemed like typical white collar crime that no one gives a shit about. And I just thought, whatever. Like, I mean, obviously they can't film if she ends up like going to jail or anything. But overall, I mean, like Martha Stewart went to jail and came back and no one gave a shit about that. She's on a show with Snoop Dogg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she just got cooler. Way to go, Martha. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. But it's really nice to see a white collar crime get busted. Oh, yeah. but she'd always stumble across dead bodies in people's <laughs> houses. That's a great so. hook. I might actually watch one. <laughs> you can't. They pulled them off the air. You can. Uh, she can I find them. Yeah. <laughs> she could probably get you Yeah, you might have to give want. me some, some of the Absolutely. Ones. Yeah, we'll be the first to let you know. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, no, I'm trying. So, so we, get, we go back to the garage where Uncle Slappy of Uncle Slappy's root beer shows up to hear the jingle. Yay! <laughs> this, this seems like you're a kind of guy, Carolyn. I su- thank you. I super loved him. Uh, he reminded me of a hot mix between Don Rickles and Danny DeVito. Yeah. Uncle Slappy's not even listed in here at all. Oh, yeah, no. I was him. sure he was a star. Yeah, I know. Whatever he did, he succeeded at, right? <laughs> yes. He just, like, rolled up on a chess game and was like, pop, 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 pop. checkmate. And then he'd squirt water in someone's face from his, like, uh, flower <laughs> lapel. Did he do that in this show? No, but it, but it's definitely his style, right? <laughs> but you had to think. Like, yeah. Did he? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I believe it. But I was like, did I miss that? Because, you know, <laughs> keep track of how close I'm watching things. Yeah, so he just shows up. He's like a jokester. And then they play the jingle for him, which is terrible. For guys and girls who want to drink, whether you're short, tall, thin, or fat, drink Uncle Slappy's root beer, because it tastes like that. It's the be- so far, though, it's by far the least terrible of all the terrible jingles. <laughs> yes, and they say the drink tastes like that. And then he wants to know what that is, and like, it could be anything. Everyone's going to have to find out. And so I guess that's how they skirt around the fact that it tastes terrible. That was their Don Draper twist. I yeah. appreciated it. But he bought it. He, he he was an easy sell. And so then he just gives them the money and takes the lyrics and leaves. He puts off in his high-waisted pants. Yep. <laughs> and suspenders. And uh, has a who knows where he's off to. But When he was handing those teens their paycheck, <laughs> I was just thinking about that actor taking his paycheck for that like really easy five lines. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed Uncle Sappy. He had no other roles. <laughs> 
He's not credited on IMDb. And actually, if you watch the clip, the only guest actress to be a credit was Kimberly. I don't think her parents are listed either. He's a mystery. (laughs) Wherever he is, I'm sure there's chattering teeth within (laughs) him. Aunt Becky's going to find him as a skeleton in an old (laughs) antique trunk. (laughs) Well, he does. The one thing that's supposed to be funny is that Sly was like, he's a real like businessman. He's serious. We have to be smart. And he comes in and he's basically like a clown. And he gives everyone, he's like, high five, high five, five. And Jenny's like, oh, that's why they call you Uncle Slappy. He's like, no, my last name's just Slapowitz. But that seemed too silly. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Carolyn was all over it, though. (laughs) More racial politics. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I, he was a delight. He, well, I don't know. Maybe I watched too much Always Sunny where Frank (laughs) just lights up the screen. I was... So ready for him to just like, I don't know, shit on the bass or something. Yeah, get naked and <laughs> swim in place or something. Woo! Uh, Tony then comes in and tells the band that he told off Kimberly's dad, but he still doesn't feel all that great. And then, but he, one of the interesting things is he calls his, her dad a quasi liberal, which is a highbrow burn that I was surprised to see in this show, I guess. Tony, did you find Kimberly's dad? Oh, yeah. I gave that quasi liberal two faced bigot but his aunt back and told him a few things on the side. Heck, that's tight. Yeah, very get out. Very. Mm-hmm. Uh, far reaching. That's a that's a great burn in the nineties and it's a great burn today. Yeah. <laughs> Only if it's true though. Well, it frequently is. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> no rarity. Yeah. <laughs> uh Kimberly shows up soon after though and says she followed Tony and says that she her eyes are open now, she likes him and she's gonna start dating him even though she's a little afraid to go against her dad. So everything seems happy, right? Uh, we go back to the fake Max and Sharkies, and uh, <laughs> they're, they're apparently another gig is uh, the band has another gig apparently. Well, they needed to get the amp before Saturday because they had a gig. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. they just gigs up the wazoo. Uh, That's the benefit of having a really managerial-minded lead singer. Yeah, well, he keeps getting these gigs. Yeah, well, just a very money-focused manager, because uh, yeah. Sly will just keep searching for those gigs to get some more money. Work them to the bone. Mm-hmm. Get that money, girl. But uh, Kimberly shows up before they can start their performance and wants to talk with Tony. And here we learn that her dad is sending her to Paris, and she's going to accept, because she's just not strong enough to not go to Paris and go against her dad. And Tony's- I mean... If there's one thing, one racial stereotype that is marginally true, it's that white bitches love Paris. <laughs> Maybe. I've never been. So yeah, do you, you, you want to go to Paris? I mean, yeah. You should take her to Paris. Your wedding already was a bit of a honeymoon, but you could fucking go to Europe, too. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, it's, it can be in the plans. Yeah, you want Paris yeah. in the plans. I'll be the stereotype, but... <laughs> no, I, think I they... turned there. Yeah, as soon as I went, I'm like, "Oops, this is me. I'm getting Paris shower curtains." <laughs> That's nice. I do love New York though, too, which is probably oh, another. Great. <laughs> um, but I do think they have a yeah. conversation, and she's like, "I talked to my dad, but it's really, really hard." And he's like, "I know, doing the right thing is really hard." And she's like, "But I'm gonna go to Paris anyway." And he's like, "What?" And he's like, "Why are you letting your dad win and control your life?" And he's buying you off because he couldn't buy me off. And Again, I'm, like, impressed with his ability to, like, be composed and, like, address the situation. But, and I'm not trying to defend anything, I do think her confusion and mixed emotions on how to handle this as, like, a 16-year-old girl 
is probably real, you know, like, but my dad, my only person I've ever known, like, this feels weird, but he's giving me everything I want, he has lots of money, I can have all the things in life, I just don't know, maybe he's right. thinking, I'm gonna be broke up with you in two months anyway, because that's what David says you should, the tips to the racist yeah, parents, <laughs> like. Yeah, like, and how much did you bank on this uh, high school relationship? She makes a comment where but. she just says, like. Um, she goes, maybe when I'm older, I can stand up to him, but I just can't do it now. And I was like, ah. And I mean, I think she's trying to say, like, maybe if she gets more mature, evolved ability to stand on her own two feet or sees more of the world. But, like, that's not what she said, you know? So I was like, Ugh. Right. They did a good job writing her pretty realistically. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's hard to get to go against all yeah. that money, which is why a lot of people end up. Racist and rich. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. But then I also question, like, I'm putting myself in her position. I'm like, I don't know how much choice she had if your parents are like, you're going to Paris to this school. like. True. And you can't really estrange yourself from your parents properly until you're, like, 18 yeah. or out of their house, whatever comes first. Well, and you can tell then that maybe the mom wasn't maybe as shocked yeah, about the whole exactly. situation yeah. because if the mom <laughs> felt like this was incorrect, then mm-hmm. um, maybe she would have said, honey, this is not how we can handle this situation appropriately, you know, but. Right. Yeah, he doesn't strike me as the type to listen to his wife anyway. <laughs> no, being racist was her idea. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That might also be true. Secretly. Uh, so yeah, she's agreeing to go to Paris or is being forced to or whatever, just won't fight it, and, uh, then she leaves, and then Tony goes back to the band and- What's the matter, Tony? What happened? The bad guy won. And I'm shocked that a racist rich guy got what he wanted, but that's what happened. Isn't that how we got the president? <laughs> You're supposed to say no. He just wanted to create a TV channel and, well, and be true. able to play contrary to everything. <laughs> Should have let him have it. I mean, he wanted to be known as a the president of the United States. He didn't want the job, but that's all. We can, <laughs> we can cut discussion. that part out. Uh, <laughs> how many more AVSC episodes until we get a different president? Everyone whisper your answer yeah. to the night. We'll see. Cross your fingers. Uh, yeah, you can cut that out. <laughs> it's fine if you keep it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> You'll it's see. not like our politics aren't unknown. I know. Small. I think we lost all the ones. <laughs> <laughs> wanted to go. So start here. This is a good line here. Yay. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I should listen to my wife. Is that what you're saying? She's ready to host one. Yeah, exactly. So then uh, the band is like, oh, that sucks. Uh, what are you going to do now? And Tony vows to never accept prejudice and to show people different doesn't mean bad. And to sing really cool tropical songs. <laughs> More of a lot. story. Mm-hmm. And then take an hour break and then sing one more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I, I doubt this happens every episode, but they happen to just have a song that really relates to the events that have just recently unfolded. Sure, sure. And just coincidentally for this episode, and then Tony wants to sing, quote, One World, and they're all pretty jazzed to do that. Woo! One love. (laughs) One world. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember any of it, but it's a good ride. I will say that, like, Deep in space, third stone from the sun. 
That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Yeah, but then there's a epic uh, rap break in the middle of it. That <laughs> well, there's a start of a guitar solo, which is like pretty signature California dreams. Mm-hmm. But then Tony and Matt have to rap at each other. Yeah, black and whites rapping together. It wasn't a rap <laughs> battle. They were on the same page, but it was. Uh, yeah. it, it was a rap friendship, yeah. kind of like when you and I did our separate raps during our <laughs> Saved by the Bell podcast. I don't know if that was a rap. That was pretty battle. Uh... <laughs> wasn't a friendship the first rap, lines right. of the rap art it's not about the white thing it's about the right thing yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need to like start playing the song again at protests and stuff yeah i know we gotta really bring the world together with one world you know one two three four Like, why can't we be friends? Or... Uh, no, All Around the World, same song. It was, remember when Tupac and the Humpty Hump were in a <laughs> band together with some white people? No, I do not remember this. Well, I don't remember their band name, but I'm pretty sure it happened. <laughs> well, I did, I was kind of writing where I was like, what type of music would I use to describe the dreams? Yeah. Because, like, if you've listened to multiple episodes and songs, like, they kind of have some, like, rock guitar heavy music, the yeah. hippity hoppy pop music, the ballad music. Like, yeah. apparently they had, like, kind of this jazzy-ish vibe that was almost like 
there's like an R&B type of a song in one. Like the Rain song at the beginning was like a little bit more like jazzy-ish. And then there's a rap now. So I'm like, what? what, what is your identity, your musical identity <laughs> here? Their musical identity is no racism. Right. <laughs> Best friends. Uh, yeah, I do think it's definitely like rock influences with some R&B and then mm. rap when it's convenient. Uh, question to the expert. Do the ultimate style of the dreams change as the cast cycles in and out? No. Because <laughs> okay, I think the great. music writers don't change. <laughs> yeah, the same 40-year-old men in the room are like holding it together. Yeah, but I mean, I think they kind of have a, a broad variety anyway, you know? Like, I don't, they're, every yeah, single song too. doesn't sound exactly the same. Anyway, yeah, so genre I think that's switchers. part of it. But. Yeah. But they do not have a song called Friends Forever, like the Zack Attack <laughs> does, as you might mm-hmm. assume they would, which would make sense because half the band doesn't exist in the next season, so. <laughs> oh, man, where um, do they go? Yeah, well, they kind of get written out of the show, but. On the self-titled studio album for mm-hmm. California Dreams. <laughs> that you own next birthday. They did have the song Rain, which started this episode, and mm-hmm. One World. And the last song is California Dreams, the theme song. We didn't actually get to hear the entire Rain song. though. So. Yeah, because the amp blew out. We might have to find this album. Yeah, you think so? Well, hopefully they have that on most of the karaoke books when we hang out next time, guys. Yes, I love (laughs) karaoke. Right? Oh, that'll be some. (laughs) All right. Uh, So we get one world rap battle and... um, It's a rap duet. It's not a rap battle. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's a rap friendship. Like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Come together. (laughs) Well, and I do like that Tony's the drummer in the band, but both of the songs that are featured, he just pushes some button and then drum, like, computer drums come in. <laughs> he can run around and <laughs> sing. And I'm like, hmm, so what's your purpose then if you can just have computer <laughs> drums do this for you? That's a great notice. I wasn't looking that hard, but that is very modern of them to lean into the synth like that. I mean, as an expert, I should notice these things. But, <laughs> yes, thank you. Because I also, it does that. also bug me that um, <clears throat> most bands, the drummer is the one that sets the tempo, so they kind of click their sticks together doing like a countdown, one, two, three, four, one, so you two, get the three, beat. Four. But every song, at least specifically with Matt, he always counts it in. He's like, one, two, three, four, and then they do their like, blue, 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 you know, <laughs> parts, and I'm like, but that's like the drummer's job. Yeah. I mean, it's like why that Max Weinstein or Weinsman, who's Weinstein. Bruce yeah. Weinstein, Bruce Springsteen's drummer, like, Max Weinstein. Yeah. Big yeah. on Conan. Yeah. Or Liberty DeVito, Billy's mm-hmm. boy in the day. These or your dad. Drummers. This is why or you're, my dad. Yeah, maybe I'm a passionate it. drum daughter here. So I... Oh, <laughs> I didn't know drummers had babies. Good for them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm proof, so. <laughs> One, two, three, four. My dad yeah, does, has his drum band. It's his. I call it his midlife crisis band, so he's been in a <laughs> band for... That's a really good brand. If you could get him to use that, he might get like some gigs because yeah. that's a good hook. They have gigs, but it's like not one know. gig a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had more gigs, but they don't seem to but want. Now to they do. don't seem as excited to play. So now they just get together each week and practice, and then you know, they cu- they've cut fun. some albums and they've gone to the studio. Whoa, and- David, play one of the drum songs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, well, unfortunately, he does get a little overshadowed because he's not as like he doesn't push your as dad. much. My dad, yeah, in the band. Yeah, it's hard for drummers in general. It's, it's it usually becomes about the lead vocalist or yeah, the guitar you know, person. Yeah, you got to like lose an arm to get attention. You know. <laughs> There was like there was one song they were recording and they listened back to it afterwards and my dad goes, Do you you guys didn't layer in my drum part yet, did you? And they're all like, Huh, it's gotta be in there and then the producer was like, Oh no, we forgot that track. So they Whoa. like the drummers and or the guitar and bass players were like just worried about themselves so uh-huh. much they didn't care about the holistic sound, you know? Like <laughs> That is a showbiz parable. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, Carolyn, what do you think of this episode? What was the most special part? It's a great question. Um, well, you know, thank you for bringing me back to the vaporwave fever dream of the California (laughs) dreams theme song. No, uh, well, one thing, just to get on a soapbox, that California dreams makes me think of, we mentioned bad dudes, but it makes me think of California games. The NES Olympian oh. game that included such sporting games as rollerblading and footbag, aka <laughs> hacky sack, <laughs> and surfing. And every time you fell as a surfer, a shark would eat you. So that's like <laughs> that's some sharkies. intense uh, games yeah, going on there. Really high stakes, and you could be endorsed by Milton Bradley. You <laughs> the board game company so just shout out in general to california games and to california dreams which embodies this liberal ideal of the 1990s that when i was a child and i would catch what i would catch this like seemed like what the future would be like so it's nice to visit the future of the past and actually deal with a way more legitimate societal problem than i thought we were going to (laughs) not that Amp ear isn't legitimate. <laughs> <laughs> Tinnitus is terrible too, and there should be one of those coming up. But um, yeah. ultimately, this was much better than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a great time, so I'll give it eight out of ten specials. No, oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, I'm a surf dudes with attitudes, of course, is always going <laughs> to stick in my mind, and uh, yeah. the, the rap duet is also what I'll probably <laughs> think of the most, but. Yeah, it is surprising, like, in an episode like this, you, especially, like, a teen sitcom cartoon kind of thing, not literal cartoon, but cartoonish, you would assume they'd tackle this problem, but you you would just assume that event the daughter would just tell off her dad, or I, they'd either change the dad's mind, or the daughter would be like, I'm going to date you anyways, and they'd end with them together, and then she might just never show up on the show again or anything, in right. like, Saved by the Bell fashion. And it is surprising to see her just have the dad kind of win in a way and say, like, yeah, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. And racism wins this one. But the the main character, uh, Tony, has to just, like, say, I'm still going to fight against it. Of course, it does bring up the 90s state of mind where, like, we felt like we're on the verge of... Breakthrough. Yeah, beating racism. And now... Ah, I missed that. Regressed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we regressed or we just never... Broke through. We're as close as we thought, but... Oops, guys. Oops. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauren? What was the question? Uh, what was your favorite part? What was the most special part? Was it a good special episode? Well, you it's just mentioned that question. this episode or this series might tackle an episode like this. I'm a little surprised they did it in episode seven of yeah. the run. Like, mm-hmm. I kind That's of would have assumed point. they would have established a little bit more of crazy antics and 
dealing with the band and that sort of stuff, especially because it's supposed to be more of a family focused show. At this mm-hmm. point, his parents and um, and younger brother are still involved too, but they're not in this episode. Um, and there's episodes where they like try to do two gigs in one night and like kind of the crazy antics of that. And so like, I guess I would have assumed they would have focused a little more on that before they're like, let's take on a controversial topic, but they did. Mm -hmm. And I think, unfortunately, I feel like Tony's opinions are really valid. Again, I'm still impressed with how they wrote the character to be so eloquent when speaking to the authority figure who's in the wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think that the Kimberly's mixed emotions of wanting to be with Tony, but like loving her dad and also wanting Paris and not wanting to be cut off from his money. Like, however, that was phrased to her as a father daughter thing, like her being confused on what to do seems probably real. Like, I don't have millions of dollars in the opportunity to go to Paris. So that was never an option for me to be like, but I'll let you be racist. That's fine. Um, but also my parents are not racist. Let's just make sure that's out there. Yay. Um, but I do think it Must is. be nice. I think the thing that I was ta- taken away was um, that basically like, you know, initially she defends her dad and maybe that's how most people would respond right away anyway. But um, I think it's really easy for people in society to like kind of just like say like, well, you don't know the people I know or you don't know them how I know them. So obviously you're wrong. And so you kind of make excuses for like maybe your older relatives who have a little antiquated or outdated thinking. Um, and then you just are like, no, no, that's not really what they meant. Or, ah, they're too old to make change. It's not, a, we don't worry about doing that to grandpa because, you know, he's kind of difficult. So, but like, like, and maybe you will never change someone, but it doesn't mean that you can't, like, be confident in your own, like, perspective and your own beliefs, you know? So. And I'm glad that Tony didn't, like, cave and just say, cool, just, like, date in secret then, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, he was basically like, this isn't acceptable and I'm not going to support this. So, yeah. I don't know if that means I learned anything, but that's my impression. <laughs> and I love California Dreams and you should put in the rap battle, the rap duet. And the theme song and my favorite song all in yeah, the episode. Just, just, so just throw it all in, right? Yeah. Yep. And David, do a karaoke version of you singing each one at the end <laughs> of the episode <laughs> for our listeners. I'm just glad that I was disorganized enough that I didn't think of like writing my own special rap for this episode. <laughs> I kind of miss when you would open with a feature length song. <laughs> yeah. No, I told him, I said, we need to do a spinoff podcast of just California Dreams episodes. Yeah, and he was I like, I wonder yeah, no. if there is one yet. You could spearhead it and yeah. David could come on as a guest. But I don't know how to do any of this tech stuff. So yeah, I don't it sucks it too. <laughs> this you is what being married is, right? Support yeah, just, my hobbies and dreams, dear. Come on. All right, the work, right? right? <laughs> Support my hobbies and dreams. California Dreams podcast. Okay. Support my California Dreams. <laughs> To, do you want people to find you online? Um, sure. I think as I've been on your podcast before, I've given yeah. out my Twitter handle. So I'm at son of Paul. So S O N O F P A U L. So feel free to follow me there. I pretty much just have a lot of um, links to my Instagram. And then I've been uh, liking and retweeting some pretty smart and empowered women lately. So feel free to review that. Uh, Carolyn? 
Oh, let's see. I'm also on Twitter. That's C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-M-A-I-N, like the street. I'm also on Patreon. You can get some really cool postcards and art and stickers by supporting me or just behind the scenes, big things coming. I have a different podcast, which you can listen to, where we pitch screenplays in one minute. That's called Pitch Please. You can follow that on Twitter at one minute to pitch it, or you can find it the podcast where we play it live at a dive bar. So fun on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or uh, crownofallstudios.com. And you can buy your own card deck at pitchplease.fun. And you can find me, David Bitsenoffer, on Twitter at Dr. Bits. That's a doctor spelled out. And you can find me at therealgentlemanofleasure.com, where I guess Game of Thrones is coming back, so then I think oh, I have to review that. One final season of me reviewing that, and then I'm free from it. Uh... <laughs> We are a very special episode podcast. Be sure to rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at AVSEPod, and you can check out our Facebook page and get in the conversation and talk about how we all have one heartbeat and one soul or something to that effect. And you can uh, <laughs> email us uh, via AVSEPodcast at gmail.com. So, for a very special episode podcast, I'm David telling... Every boy and girl, come on, everybody. We are one world. One world. That was a very special episode. We dissected that shit from head to toe. Did the time fly by or was it slow? Got so many life lessons. Oh, how we've grown. Seen so much TV that we're gonna explode next time on a very special episode. No. I'm definitely wrong. No, I I thought you were breaking out a Sugar Ray is what you sound like. Oh yeah. Well it's the digital underground. Yeah. That's what it's called when Tupac and the Humpty Hump are. Was Tupac in Digital Underground? Yeah, dude. And they're in Dan Aykroyd's movie. Mm. Nothing but trouble. Have you seen it? No. Ooh, fuck, it's terrible. So I was looking it up and I was like, yeah, hump. Sacred ground, that's what it is. One, two, oh, sacred nice. ground. Something, 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 <laughs> turn it around. Whoa, one, one. Sorry. The Humpty Dance is your chance to do the Humpty Yeah, you might see some of that at the karaoke too, for sure. <laughs> Somebody better. I could probably do that. You should. <laughs> Rat battle. One, two, three, four. Having some fun In your heart